Woods, Miller, and Condon. Ken Miller. Trent Condon. This is Miller and Condon on Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO. All right, good morning, everybody. Welcome to Miller and Condon. And Happy New Year on a Tuesday. It's Des Moines Sports Station. 106.3 KXNO as we get back to local programming now for the well, right up until 6 o'clock here this evening. Uh, the BMW of Des Moines guest slip shapes up like this. We will start with Alec Bussey, who covers Iowa State. He was in Memphis. Uh, he was also at Hilton for the uh, final non-conference game. So Alec Bussey on Iowa State. He comes up uh, at 11.30. An old friend of the program, speaking of 24-7 sports, that's where Bussey resides. He took Nick Oson's spot. Nick Oson is going to join us uh, as Iowa and Wisconsin will collide tonight on the hardwood. So we'll talk to Nick Oson and get, Washington, or get to Wisconsin's perspective. But as much as anything, catch up with an old friend, get his thoughts on Iowa State as he covered the program for a couple of years, including a portion of this season. So... Uh, Nick Oson, 11.50. Bama Bob Trent and I will recap the weekend in college football. And then John Bowenkamp uh, will join us. We'll get John's thoughts on the Citrus Bowl from yesterday and his perspective on what we will see tonight, Wisconsin and Iowa. That is an early tip on the Big Ten Network, 6 o'clock. Of course, you can't be in front of your TV. You could turn the radio on down the dial. 1040 WHO has the call of the game. So the... Uh, football season did not end well for either of the local teams. We'll get into that uh, this morning. Take a look back at the playoff, the semifinals, both of them right down to the bitter end. Uh, terrific football games. Not sure what DeBoer was doing at the end, but he certainly made it uh, that you could not turn off your TVs uh, as they came down the stretch of that one. Here's my partner. He's Trent Condon. How are you, sir? Doing well. Excited to be back in here. A new year, a fresh start, and uh, we begin what our... You're number five over here at KXL? Oh, that's right. You know what? I keep forgetting about that. <laughs> yeah. This was the day that we came back, wasn't right. it? You're and number five. Yes, you're right. A lot of angst uh, about losing that hour of Dan Patrick. That's not the case anymore as people get the full freight <laughs> of Dan Patrick. And we're now here in our 11 to 1 time slot. But yeah, excited <laughs> for another fun year. Tons to talk about. And what a weekend it was. I mean, sports all over the place. The college games after... Until a year ago, the semifinals just stinking up the joint year in and year out. And what we've been given over the last couple of years, four outstanding games. And then last night, culminating on one of the weirdest, just, it's one of those times where you feel, man, am I tired? This can't be (laughs) happening, right? You know, is this a dream? Did I fall asleep on the couch? What's going on here? That was just so wild. The third down play, then the injury, and the clock then doesn't start after the injury. I, I couldn't wrap my mind around that. I guess if the team was behind, that would be the reason behind it, something like that. I know there's reasoning behind it. It just seemed odd that that was. Fair catch interference, 40-yard bomb, and and what they get, four shots into the end zone? Four overall? shots, Trent. Yep, four shots, including one with one second left as they put it. And it was the right thing to do. There yes. was a second left uh, when the ball went out of bounds. But uh, if you back Washington, as I did, mm-hmm. uh, you're yelling at your TV. Um, <laughs> if you're a Texas fan, you can't believe that you actually have a chance somehow to win this football game. Uh, but it wasn't to be. And now we'll get Washington to Michigan. And if Michigan throws the football on that game, they're making a mistake. Just run the ball. Give it to Corm every single time if you have to. 
power because football. That, I, think, I agree. I think that's the way they're going to win the game, but we'll get into that more obviously uh, as we move forward. So Iowa State uh, embarrassed themselves. They're humiliated by Memphis getting pushed around on both sides of the football. 20 carries for zero yards. Not sure I've mm. ever seen that before. Maybe, maybe I have. Uh, I don't recall it with one of the local teams. And then the Hawkeyes yesterday finally, finally, finally uh, giving the backup quarterback an opportunity. I don't know if Marco, Marco Lyonez can throw the football. I know he can run. Yes, right. And it brings him a little something yeah. different. Uh, but uh, uh, you take it. Start whichever game you want to recap, first of all, the Hawks yesterday uh, and then Friday for Iowa State as they fell to Memphis. You know, uh, let's start with the first one that we saw, and let's start with the Iowa State game. 36-26 the final, down 19 nothing in a snap at a finger, and it just... Yet it didn't feel over. It felt like there was a path. They get the touchdown by Higgins, a field goal, and all of a sudden it's like, all right, here they go. And then the domination that we saw, you mentioned it up front, just not anticipating that. I told you before the game I expected points. I expected a lot more points, though, out of Iowa State than the 26 they put up on the board. I thought that they were going to be able to move the football at will, not being able to get the ground game going. Now, the offensive line, and we sung the praises as the season went on and the improvements Mm -hmm. that they made. But it is, it's a refrain every single offseason with this program since Matt Campbell. For all the great things that Matt Campbell has done, the one constant has been below average or bad offensive line play year in and year out. What can be done to fix that? They brought in a new, and maybe it's year number two is going to be the step forward that they need out of the offensive line and a new group working together. But that's the one thing that, for whatever reason, a guy that has a lot of background in offensive line, it just still has not clicked consistently at the level for Iowa State. You're 100% right. They got some bad news yesterday when Jared Hufford said he's going to come back uh, for his final year of eligibility. Uh, I don't know what it is, Trent. You're right. We saw the Ohio game, and then there was seemingly a turnaround in a positive direction for that unit, uh, but they really came back. I, I, I'm, I was starting to wonder during the game, did they close the weight room for renovations in the month of December and they couldn't <laughs> oh, let anybody in there? I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of halfway serious yeah. here because they got pushed around mm-hmm. by Memphis. They couldn't run the football on Memphis, who was not like, I think, 89 or 90th against the run right. in college football this year. Abu Sama coming off the game of maybe his, I mean, I hope it's not the best game of his career in Manhattan, but he certainly looked the part. Um, but boy. Look, there were two guys I thought offensively that really stood out. Rocco Becht mm-hmm. and obviously Jaden Higgins. And maybe I'm being unfair to Jalen Noel because he was good too. But Higgins had his best game as a cyclone. Kind of reminded me of Xavier Hutchin from his junior year. You could see the positive momentum building into his final season. And he came back and what do you have? 105 or 106 catches. And, and Higgins certainly took a positive step. Rocco Becht was good all year long. Uh, three touchdowns, 450 yards or wherever it was in the football game. But just the physicality that Memphis played with, they humiliated Iowa State on certainly Iowa State's offensive line defensively. Uh, look, Haycock's never been a guy that goes after the quarterback, but he had some issues as well. This was not a good John Haycock defensive uh, effort on Friday uh, in the Liberty Bowl. 530 yards piled up by Memphis. They get to the quarterback a couple of times. We mentioned the struggles back there. The good news is, you know, this is still a huge building block going forward. It was a frustrating end of the season, there's no doubt, but the memories getting to a bowl game after, outside of the most ardent Cardinal and Gold, there was nobody believing this team could be a bowl team this season. Nobody. 
No, very few, Trent. And if you could come into the year, poke holes in the Big 12, and we saw it was, you know, an okay conference, but not great by any means. Even with the path forward, there's no way you're finding six wins. And certainly through September, there was no path. And they made a path there. A lot of young talent coming back. There are things to fix, but you have now an offensive line coach and Clanton going into a second year. Mm -hmm. Shieldhouse, how about the improvement we saw from him Mm -hmm. as a play caller? There are things to be excited about. And then all that young talent. You mentioned Rocco Beck. Higgins has got another year. He can come back for another season. Obviously, the running back spot with Sama and Hanson, they can go that direction. I mean, there's so many guys coming back that the excitement is real. And in a new Big 12, that's going to have Utah and Arizona and K-State. I think those are going to be your heavy heads next season. But they are going to be in that next tier when you're kind of looking for a dark horse. I think Iowa State's got to be a part of that conversation. Yeah, I do, because they've got a quarterback. Mm-hmm. I'm with you, 100%. They've got a quarterback. And, and I, too, will lay off Ryan Clanton, because I'm with you. You're number two. I mean, obviously, a lot of eyeballs, once we get back to, boy, it seems like a long time, doesn't <laughs> it, does. it, to Labor Day weekend when we see this team again, uh, actually in a competitive environment. But um, he's got a whole year to work with these guys now and to try and build them up and and at least be – Average? I mean, that's not asking too much, but Arizona's coming in. You mentioned that. This is a really good football team. Utah is Utah. Uh, Arizona State, they get some players. They should be at some point better. And who knows what Dion's going to do yes. when, you know, with the, with the buffs, when they finish doing their business and the transfer portal closes, et cetera. So, yes, I, um, I, I like the way you worded it. Disappointing and to a season that honestly, uh, when you look back in its totality, seven and six, yeah, sign for that after week three. Everybody would have, and that's what they got. Let's go to Iowa yesterday. Look, Trent, um, I, I know that I know your frustration, Brian Ferentz, it comes through loud and clear 11 to one when we bring up the Hawks. And this was just not a Johnny come lately tweet from you yesterday <laughs> no. that certainly drew a lot of angst from, you know, some of the hardcore uh, black and gold um, that think that th- th- this was the first time that you'd had this take. No, <laughs> that was the first time in 2024 you'd had that take. You've been saying that for years. So it's over. Uh, the Deacon Hill era has to be over. He's just a, not a good quarterback. I mean, what might have been had you been able to score a touchdown to go up 7 nothing in the football game and instead of trying to throw into double coverage, uh, the fumble deep in your own territory, the pick six that, I mean, everybody saw that coming that was at in the building or watching it on TV because we saw the safety of the linebacker, whoever he was, start to move, follow Deacon Hill's eyes, and that has come to an end. Linus comes in, provides a spark with his mm-hmm. feet. As I said, Trent, I have no idea if he can throw the football or not. Yeah. But if you're if you're trying to sit here and tell me that that, and I'm saying as a coach that that we saw this we day after day in practice, and Deacon Hill was the better of the two options, and it wasn't even close. Therefore, we're not going to give Linus a chance. Come on, come on, your nose is growing. It's damning for you as a coaching staff if that is the case. Because we saw this football player, Deacon Hill, he's awful. There's no two ways about it. Not only is he incredibly inaccurate, maybe one of the most inaccurate passers we've seen play at a Power 5 level, he also is a walking turnover machine. 19 turnovers Mm. in 7 games. The one thing you can't do at quarterback, at least we thought for Kirk Ferentz, was turn the football over. That's what he did consistently. The only thing he was consistent at was turning the football over, and they kept trotting out there time in and time out. It is one of the more baffling things of the quarter century now of Kirk Ferentz. 
I cannot wrap my mind. Ken, I know I brought it up to you before. I know I brought it up a lot, but it is something I think bears repeating. The inability for Kirk Ferentz to figure out the quarterback position and when a change is needed to make a change. I don't know what happened in his football, but there is something about it. Running back fumbles, they're screwed. I mean, remember Akron Wadley early in his career. An obviously dynamic playmaker. You saw, though, he made mistakes. He had fumbles. It took a long time to get back in the good graces. Guys make mistakes defensively. Linebacker, defensive back, they're out of the game. You had a kicker that had never kicked a football before in an Iowa Hawkeye (laughs) uniform. Come in for the game winner against Nebraska because their kicker was struggling. But quarterback, oh, it is completely different for Kirk Ferentz and the decision-making behind there. I don't know what it is. I can't wrap my mind around it. But to go eight games the way that they did with that kind of quarterback play, with a backup quarterback that at least can move, can do some different things, and to not challenge yourself, to not say, let's see what we have here. Let's see if we can actually scheme something up and give our team a better opportunity to win. That is damning for Kirk Ferentz and that coaching staff to not even give their team a chance. It's all about the team, right? You didn't give your team the best chance to win because of reasons. I don't know the reasons. I can't wrap my mind around it. Trent, and it's been the story of his whole career. I mean, mm-hmm. you can go back, and I hate to say it because I was a Kyle McCann fan. I felt yep. awful for him. Kyle McCann and Brad Banks. Jay Christensen not not giving mm-hmm. way. I mean, it was you can, you can go through his entire body of work at Iowa, and you can find multiple examples of him, his unwillingness to give the backup quarterback a chance. Finally, yesterday, I mean, he had no choice after Deacon Hill yeah. threw the pick six, but, you know, there was a, is he going to come out with a different quarterback at halftime? And then you start seeing the tweets from the state and from Doctorman or from Leistakow, um, who were on scene, by the way, and covered the game. Not sure if you heard. Yeah, um, yeah that was bad. Mm-hmm. Um, anyways, just his unwillingness to line is there. He's got the headset on. He's not even warming mm-hmm. up. So you knew it was going to be Deacon Hill. But um, just inexcusable at this point. There's going to be a new offensive coordinator. What does that mean? Right. What does that mean? Yeah. It will be different, but will it be better? It, well, it has to be better than this. I mean, these last two years. People kind of put the last three years together. It's really two and a half. Things really started to crater when some of the injuries mounted up two years ago back in 2021. But they're the worst in the country the last two years. And it's not even close. I mean, those numbers. I'm sure you saw the tweet of the punt numbers where at halftime, Iowa had punted for 1,212 more yards than they had total offense. Nobody in the country had more punt yards than offensive yards. And Iowa had surpassed it by over 1,200 at halftime of the season. There are so many damning statistics out there. This thing cratered. They couldn't do anything. They couldn't scheme their way out of it. You lose quarterbacks, you have injuries. Yes, bad things happen. But this is year after year after year. There are no excuses for it. And for Brian Ferentz, for a guy that was handed the job because of his last name, and there is no two ways about it. There is not another Big Ten offensive coordinator that gets their job with his resume. He was a line coach in the NFL for a couple of years. He was an offensive line coach. Nobody has handed the keys at 32 years old for that job outside of Brian Ferentz. If it was Brian Smith, he wouldn't have the job. It's as simple as that. And double down after double down after double down. It was a ter- era, terrible era. It was bad football time in and time out. It was a guy that got kicked out of the booth because of his anger issues that he had. A guy on the sideline that repeatedly would be freaking out and making a bad. He has none of the good Kirk qualities and so many of the bad ones on top of it. Anecdotally, there are so many people with bad things to say about him as a person. And if you're a good person, it makes it a little easier for everybody that I've had interactions with that have talked about Brian Ferentz. They do not have those positives. I am ready for this to move on. Will it be better? 
it can't be worse. That is the answer. Ken O'Keefe's offenses were a lot better. Mm-hmm. The much maligned Greg Davis's offense yep. were a lot better than this. This has been awful. Even the high water marks, we're still talking about a team that was 88th in the country in total offense. That was the high water mark of seven years of Brian Ferentz. We're not talking about these great things. Were they better? Absolutely. But it cratered. It is time to move on. Now, Kirk, are you really willing to look under the hood and change this thing and adapt with college football? He's done it before, as you know. A little bit different when you're getting deep into your 60s and making those kind of changes. No, you're 100% right. And if uh, for the Hawkeye fans and the listening audience, you have to be asking yourself what might have been, right? What if you had even an average offense over these last few years with these I don't know if you want to say generational defense, but boy, they've had some dudes and they've had some terrific defense play. Phil Parker's done a remarkable job. It wasn't his best game against Tennessee, but regardless of that, there have been great defenses at Iowa and you've had awful offenses to go along with it. And you've still, look, you got to the college football or to the Big Ten championship. Um what might have been, Trent? Yeah. I think I think that's how you're going to look back. I want to just just go back to just one one more on Iowa State for for a second sure. while we're kind of being a little bit critical, and that was Matt Campbell's decision to ice the kicker at the end of the first half. I mean, this is a, the off. This, the, the guy's name is Gillis. I think is his last name. We saw him miss an extra point badly. Yeah, this is an this it's a below average kicker. What are you doing? trying to ice him of all kickers. I mean, if this is a good kick, if you're going up against, you know, Dicker the kicker back when he was in the Big 12, okay, you can understand that one. But there was this was not Matt Campbell's best game. This was not John Haycock's best game. Shieldhouse continuing to run the ball on first down when there was zero there. I mean, how often do you have to run into a brick wall head first before you realize the run game's not going to be there today? So the coaching staff for Iowa State, not without blame, uh, in its own right. Absolutely. There was a lot of blame to go around all over the place and a frustrating end to both seasons. Seasons that we had high water marks on both sides. There was excitement, I think, on yep. both sides. But overall, it's going to be a lot of, of what. And you know, for Iowa State, already get there. Now build on it, right? You can't go back to 4-8. and eight. There cannot be a step back now with this program. There is too much talent there. You cannot afford that. Iowa has the changing landscape of the Big Ten, and there is no more every year getting Illinois, Northwestern, and Purdue. That is gone. Though you'll get Wisconsin, Minnesota, and Nebraska every year. Your soft, cushy middle, if you will, of the uh-huh. Big Ten, that is going away. Not to say that it's impossible, because it's not. You're right. That defense is absolutely incredible. And what they have coming back, with Jay Higgins returning, the possibility of more guys coming back for another season, Jamari Harris, Sebastian Castro, that defense is going to be elite once again next season. Yep. However... You have to be able to improve on the offensive end because all of a sudden next season, you look at that schedule. It's not maybe as daunting as we thought maybe it was going to be initially. I mean, you hear the additions and you kind of go through it. This is their Big Ten slate next year. Open up at Minnesota. Okay. By week. Then they go to Ohio State. Mm -hmm. Ohio State doesn't have a quarterback. No, they don't. By the way, Marvin Harrison. <laughs> and, will, not, and very few receivers trained right. because Harrison's going to the NFL and two of them have entered the transfer portal. But it's still a game in Columbus. They'll probably get thought. Sure. Right. Home for Washington. Tough, but how many dudes? Washington has nine six-year seniors. This just in, wow. those guys can't come back. Michael yeah. Penix will not be back. They got a lot of talent on this team, but they're going to mm-hmm. be retooling next year. At Michigan yep. State, you're number one of the John, Jonathan Smith regime. Mm-hmm. Northwestern at home. Mm-hmm. Wisconsin at home. Okay. At UCLA. 
at Maryland. Yeah. At UCLA, who was good defensively, they lost their defensive yeah. coordinator. They don't have a quarterback. At Maryland, they don't have a quarterback. Nope. And home for Nebraska. It's not very daunting, is it? I mean, no, that Ohio not. State game, absolutely. But short of that, there is a real possibility. Now, look, 10 wins maybe off the table. But looking at that schedule, can they be 9-3 and three next year with a competent yeah. offense? Yeah, you wonder. I mean, it's not crazy. It, uh, it doesn't that, sound as difficult, Trent, as it, you would have thought. Right. You kind of go through it, and it's the non-conference, Illinois State, home for Iowa State, mm-hmm. and Troy. Those are the three. Again, not overly. If you're setting an over-under right now on Iowa's win total, when it came out at 7.5, that was laughable last year. And we mm-hmm. both right away said over was a play, and they cruised over the 7.5. This year... Where are they going to put that? They put it at seven and a half again. I'll be betting. I think over. it gets. Yeah, I think it gets jumped on. The Minnesota game's a pivotal game it right is. out of the shoot. I think trying to uh, you know settle the score, if you will, yep. from uh, from this year That'll at Kinnick Stadium. There will be a fun one, no doubt. It'd be a very fun one. Do you have Iowa State's in front of you? Uh, can yeah, you grab I can that? get it up here real quick. I want to want to take a since we looked at Iowa, take a quick look at that and see the newcomers as we transition from 2023 <laughs> to 2024. We'll have plenty of time between now and September, um, but it's not going to go, um, you know, back of mind. We're, we'll bring it up periodically, I'm guessing, because after all, this college football. So we don't have the dates for the Big Twelve play, but we do have the opponents. The opponents, correct? Yes. Yeah. So North Dakota opened things up. North Dakota's improved a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. been a team that has made the FCS playoffs a couple of times here recently at Iowa, obviously in week two. They have a yep. bye week then before Arkansas State comes to town. This is what the Big 12 slate is, and this is how it's listed over at fbschedules.com. At Houston, home okay. for Texas Tech, home for Baylor, be okay. home for K-State, Cincinnati's a home game, UCF's a home game. So those, that's the home slate there. Tech, And Baylor. UCF just picked up who? K.J. Jefferson from Arkansas, yeah. right? He's now the Central Florida quarterback. That's a okay. good one, huh? Yeah, C- it is. I like him, Trent. Cincinnati, K-State, Baylor, Texas Tech, and UCF. Those are the five home games. The road games at Houston, at Kansas, at Utah, and at West Virginia. Pretty daunting. Well, you, yeah, Utah and West Virginia are going to be no picnic. Good to see that Iowa State has seven home games this year. They only had six, I believe, uh, or ne- seven next year. They only had six this year. So that's good to see. But, look, this should be a bowl team as well. Mm-hmm. I mean, yes. on, on the surface, there's no Arizona on that schedule. Mm-hmm. That's That works because right. uh, this is a really good football team. Uh, that's a really good football team, and they've got a freshman quarterback, so they're going to be uh, in the hunt as well. All right, listen, we'll get back to those. Uh, I want to move on. Uh, I do want to, obviously, Bama Bob's coming up, do a lot of college football. Just real quick on the on the regional game on New Year's Eve, Vikings and the Packers. What do the Packers have in Jordan Love? Are we starting to – I mean, I'm not saying he's uh, Brett Favre to Aaron Rodgers to Jordan Love, right. Canton, Canton, Canton. Mm-hmm. But – it looks as though maybe Jordan Love's better than some anticipated, and the drop-off between Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love was not as steep as some thought it was going to be. Is that over the top, or is that fair? No, that's absolutely fair. And those were those questions that we were having. What Middle of October, we're like, I'm not so sure about Jordan Love. I don't think he has it. And since then, what he did on Sunday night was absolutely incredible. I mean, he just looked so good. His ability tuck it and run. He can make some plays with his feet, but most importantly, the accuracy that he has, the ability. You know, and he's doing this with a wide receiver group, a bunch of young dudes, right? The, the young guys that haven't developed or have been injured like Christian Watson. You got Reed and Dobbs and I think Musgrave. If he can be healthy, he's going to be a really good tight end. This is a really young group and doing it with an offensive line that 
isn't elite like it has been in the past. Mm-hmm. I think you're really excited about it. 30 touchdowns now in his first season as a starter. 11 interceptions on the year, completing 63%. Is he generational? Probably not. That's so difficult to get to. But can he be consistently a top 10, top 12 quarterback in this league year in and year out? I don't think there's any doubt after this season. I'm with you. Uh, did you see the ending of the Cowboys game as they were gifted a win? I did, yeah. We were uh, watching that one late after we got the kids down, and it was just so difficult to wrap your mind around so many elements of, of that one. They show the replay. They show the offensive lineman going out there. Now, before we get into, I think the referee made a mistake. Before that, though, you also have to say that Detroit, they were trying to pull one over a little bit, That's too. That's true. You're running, true. running three. Two guys over. Well, and it was three guys over. There was was a guy, it really? Yeah, there was, a, okay. there was an angle from back over the Lions' sideline. There was one guy already there. Then Decker came over, and you could see the referee watching then the offensive lineman that was coming off the sideline to be the extra lineman. They were trying to pull one over on, on that play. Now, you want to do mm-hmm. that. Troy Aikman said as much. I mean, you're not going to be hopping up and down and saying, hey, I'm eligible. You're not doing that either as an offensive lineman. You're doing it with a little bit of a wink and a nod. But still, for that to happen, it, don't we have a better system? I mean, doesn't a ref have enough going on to try to figure out all that? Who's eligible? Who's coming in? It feels like we need to have a better way of doing it. No, I, I didn't realize there was three. I know that uh, the Decker and number 70 both went over, and you're right. It was gamesmanship that the Lions were sending two guys over. But you can clearly hear on the Cowboys. Uh, there was, I saw Twitter had the audio from the Cowboys radio network that you can hear the official. Is it Allen is his last name? I think, I think. So, yeah. Um, you know, you could clear the number 70 is reporting eligible. Uh, doesn't say anything about 68 who mm-hmm. would catch the pass. So yeah, fair point, Trent, that, uh, probably needs to be a better system on that one. But boy, oh boy, mm-hmm. the Lions had it won. And, uh, unfortunately the, for them, they couldn't seal the deal. All right. More NFL coming up. We're going to talk to Alec Bussey on Iowa State. We'll do football and basketball with Bussey. He'll join his first old friend, Nick Gosen's going to come up with Wisconsin and Iowa getting set to, uh, play tonight. Six o'clock tip. BTN network has that one. Bama Bob, Trent and I will go over college football. Maybe a quick preview of what we expect to see next Monday. The line is four. Has it moved, Trent? What did it open at? Five fours? I saw four, uh, three and a half right away at Circa. Oh, you did? Yeah, it was three and a half right away, then very quickly at four and a half. It, that thing moved within probably 20 minutes to an hour, something like that. So, yeah, there was a lot of movement early on in that one. I didn't see any fives pop. I think that four and a half number and trying to uh, find a way to see where it's kind of settled at this point in time. What have you seen this morning on it? Uh, four and a half, four. I think Circa's at four, They're at four. Uh, right now. Um, look, I, as I said, kind of facetiously, but Michigan just give the ball to Corum. I'm not sure they can stop him. I'm not sure they can stop him up front. You know, Penix is going to get his. He's so good. He, yes, is, he is so good. Boy, injuries really preventing him um, from, I don't know, is, is if you're drafting quarterbacks, where do you have Michael Penix after what you saw last night? Taking injuries aside... He'd be number one. Have you seen a? I don't understand. He's got studs the accuracy. Out there. He, he's got absolute studs, right? And I guess that's the caveat yep. you have to put in there when you have a wide receiver, not even tandem, a trio with what we saw from McMillan, uh, McMillan here lately, a Dunze, mm-hmm. Polk. There's not three wide receivers. I mean, I know Ohio State's had a ton here recently, but boy, those guys, and they're all a little different, right? Adunze's got a little more physicality to him. He's got the size at 6'3", what, 220 pounds. Polk, he's got kind of your prototypical uh, guy on the other side, your Z receiver, 6'2", 204. And then McMillan, who can just make plays all over the place and the incredible speed that he has. They have three different ways. So with that aside, he just makes throws. He puts it in a bucket 
unlike a quarterback that I've seen maybe short of Joe Burrow in the last decade. Just mm. putting it out there, it doesn't matter if it's a loft pass where you're just hitting a guy in stride. The back shoulder throw that is seemingly impossible for anybody to defend. We've seen so many times where it's defended well, and it doesn't matter because of the wide receivers. If you didn't have the health, would you be willing to have the conversation taking him over Caleb Williams? Because yes. I think I would. I would too. And I think a lot of people are starting to have the conversation regarding Caleb Williams. Mm-hmm. We shall see. We'll take a timeout, Trent. We'll come back. Alec Bussey's going to join us. We'll recap the uh, Liberty Bowl one final time with Mr. Bussey. Nick Osen coming up in this hour as well. Wisconsin and Iowa tonight. But we'll just catch up with our old buddy coming up, coming up at about 10 minutes before noon. Miller and Condon underway on a Tuesday. Happy New Year. It's Des Moines Sports Station, 106.5.net. Miller and Condon, welcome back. It's Des Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. Trent Condon, Ken Miller with you until 1 o'clock. Murph and Andy coming up at that point. Let's talk some Iowa State, shall we? Alec Bussey, 24-7 sports, CycloneAlert.com. He joins the program. He's back uh, from Memphis. who's was actually at Hilton covering the game on New Year's Eve. A great crowd, by the way. Good for Iowa State fans. No surprise uh, showing up to a non-con game on uh, on New Year's Eve and doing so in mass. Alec joins us. Alec Trenton, Ken, thanks for coming on. How are you, Alec Bussey? Good, guys. Thanks for having me on. Happy New Year. Um, happy to be starting the new year with you guys, too. No, I appreciate you coming on. So I guess we'll recap the football before we look ahead to the basketball. And boy, oh boy, ready or not, here comes the Big 12, right? What a couple of heavy heads to, to start the season. But we'll get to that in a second. It just um, it started poorly, started 19 to nothing. Iowa State tried to claw their way out of it, but it seemingly uh, it was Memphis's day. And Alec, what struck me was the physical play of Memphis in the football game. Uh, I wasn't sure we would see Iowa State. State really get pushed around the way, especially the offensive line, the way that they did. Iowa State, zero yards rushing in a football game. That's hard to do, especially, you know, a team that was ranked 89 or 90th against the against the run. Uh, was that as big of an issue, obviously, uh, as you saw it in person? Yeah, I think it was pretty glaring, the, the struggle that Iowa State had running the ball against Memphis. And I think it kind of continues the concern that, you know, we really kind of had for much of the season with the offense was they just really struggled to run the ball for much of the season. And it's one of the reasons why I think the offseason needs to be built around developing the offensive line, continuing that development under um, what will be a second-year offensive line coach in Ryan Clinton, who has good history developing offensive linemen into NFL draft picks. But I think you also kind of just need to see the entire running game develop and, you know, I don't want to say modernize, but just find new ways to be successful. Um, we saw flashes from Abu Sama this year, but to only have 12 carries for four yards, it, it's pretty tough. And I know a lot of people are really excited about his future at Iowa State, and they certainly should be. But I think it's worth looking at his overall first season as a Cyclone and realizing that you know over 500 of his yards and five of his six touchdowns, I think is what he finished with on the year, came in two games late in the year. One of them was at K-State in a legendary performance for him. But it was also, I don't want to say fluky, but there was also kind of some interesting aspects to it with the snow, um, clearly how much K-State struggled to tackle, but give Dama a lot of credit as well in that game for making them miss tackles and making them struggle. So I, I think that is something that is one of the biggest storylines of the entire offseason for Iowa State is how do they find ways to 
have more success in the running game heading into 2024 because they certainly have a potent passing attack or a passing attack that should at least be dangerous enough heading into next season. It's been a year where we learned a whole lot about some of these young guys, including the quarterback. Obviously, Rocco Beck, what he was able to put together uh, offensively this year. How about defensively, when you look at the other side? You mentioned on a big key is going to be able to run the football and be more consistent on that side. When you look at defensively, there were some hiccups this year, maybe even a few more than you normally anticipate with the Haycock defense. What do you want to see defensively, those young guys growing, and, and improvements that need to be made on that side of the football? Yeah, it's a really good question. I think defensively, one of the big things that they're going to want to focus on in the offseason is development of the defensive backs um, in terms of the depth. It was a really good secondary this year, and it's going to be a good secondary again next season. But they really struggled without TJ Tampa in the secondary in the mm-hmm. game against Memphis. I mean, they allowed Seth Hennigan to throw for 364 yards, four touchdowns. He had two touchdown passes of at least 50 yards, um, including one on the first possession. That was, I think, 71 yards. So you're losing your top cover corner, but you're also looking at it from the perspective of they were without Malik Bernard. And defensive back is a position where you oftentimes see a lot of injury. So I think you're trying to develop depth there. And I think you're trying to be confident about, you know, your sixth, seventh, eighth, ninth defensive back as contributors next season, if possible. Uh, and I know they're high on guys like John Williams, Jamison Patton. Um, but, you know, they, they struggled against Memphis. So I think you kind of want to see some continued development from the secondary heading into next season where, you know, there's some difficult games on the schedule, obviously, from a Big 12 perspective when you look at passing offenses and um, the type of dynamic quarterback play that Iowa State could play next year. I know K-State's obviously on the schedule, KU's on the schedule. They have two talented quarterbacks with Avery Johnson and mm-hmm. Jalen Daniels. Utah's on the schedule. They have Cam Rising returning after missing all this year with, with injury. So they're certainly going to want to have um, confidence in their secondary. And I think the defensive line is a position group to be confident about. They're going to return all their starters across the defensive front, and that's something that should inspire a lot of confidence. I think you want to see that group really start to develop more pressure, get in the backfield more often, force more negative plays, tackles for loss and sacks. Yeah, and the linebackers as well, with the exception of Vaughn, right, who moves on there. They were young this year, so they should be fine. I couldn't agree with you more on, on the secondary. It was glaring uh, with Tampa not being able to go uh, in that football game. But from a positive perspective, they know they've got a quarterback. We saw Jaden Higgins have a breakout game in, in, in the bowl game. Uh, certainly wasn't his first game that he's flashed like this, but they can build off that. I liken that to the uh, Hutchinson from his a penultimate final game and uh, of his final uh, uh, next to final season, he came back and had 106 catches uh, as a senior. Is that a spot? Do you think, Alec, that they'll be, uh, be be looking to you know go out and maybe find in the transfer portal? Because obviously Stanley's moving on; he's out of eligibility, and he never had the season I think a lot of folks thought he was going to have. Uh, not sure if Daniel Jackson is coming back. Uh, but it seems like they've got Noel, they've got Higgins, they need one more. I saw that they uh, offered Donald Driver's kid who's in the portal. Is that an area that they're going to focus and go after hard? Yeah, I think it is. And I honestly think it's probably the position group that they've maybe targeted the most in the transfer portal. Um, starting tomorrow, they'll be hosting Army wide receiver transfer. Um, Isaiah Halston, you mentioned uh, the offer to Christian Driver. That's the son of Donald Driver, like you said. Um, he played defensive back his first year at Penn State, but then moved to receiver um, this past season as a redshirt freshman it would have been. Um, so I think receiver is certainly a position that they're interested in. 
Um, there's also a few other guys that their names haven't officially appeared into the portal yet, but they said that they're going to be in the portal. Um, so certainly those are guys that you would want to track and kind of follow as well. Um, I believe Bryson Rogers is the one from Ohio State that I'm kind of speaking vaguely about. I'll just put his name out there. Um, mm-hmm. So you kind of play. Was that Rocco Beck's receiver. teammate in high school? It was, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you kind of put all of those things into perspective, and receiver looks like a position that they want to make at least one more addition to. And, you know, I think playing with Rocco Beck might be kind of an interesting or fun thing to do if you're a receiver. I mean, they had two receivers finish with over 800 yards this year. Higgins was close to 1,000 after the bowl game. Um, I think both Higgins and Noel could flirt with 1,000-yard seasons next year if they continue progressing and are able to stay healthy. Um, so, yeah, I think that there are certainly reasons to think that wide receiver is one of the positions that is at the top of the list for Iowa State in the portal. little basketball to finish up as we're talking with Alec Bussey. Alec, uh, let's jump into Iowa State. It will be conference play. One more non-conference game. You're there on Sunday the 31st against New Hampshire. I guess the, the best of a bad group of bye games that they had this year, but... Never in doubt throughout this one. Jumped out to an early lead and cruised into the victory. Maybe the biggest storyline was the return of Hassan Ward and what he's going to be able to do. And he came in and played really well off the bench for ISU. Yeah, I thought getting Hassan Ward back was really big for Iowa State. And I also think it was maybe a little bit more for expected. Coach Hotzelberger talked a lot about you know, thinking early January, thinking early Big 12 play, hoping it would be back before Big 12 play. But getting him back before all of those things. Getting him back on the last game of December. Um, on New Year's Eve, and he actually comes in and has a pretty impactful impactful game. Um, he was a minus in the plus-minus, but I thought he was actually pretty positive. I think he went 5 of 8 from the field, finished with 10 points, had 2 or 3 blocks as well. I think he gives them something that this team really needs defensively on the inside. He's a good athlete, good shot blocker, rim protector, gives them length, kind of gives them all the things that Robert Jones isn't able to physically give them. So I think it gives them a lot of versatility on the interior with how they want to defend opponents, which I think is going to be really valuable in Big 12 play. Do you think, Alec, there'll come a time that the award is inserted back into the starting lineup? Was the New Hampshire game just, uh, you know, get in there, play your minutes, uh, you know, reacclimate yourself to a college basketball environment, and at some point in the Big 12, does Ward assume Jones' starter's position? I think he will. I wouldn't be surprised um, if he doesn't continue to come off the bench, but I think he just is a more skilled, more talented player than Robert Jones is at this point in their career. So I think you would like to be able to to have this on Ward in the starting five if possible. Now that said, I, I'm not someone who is obsessive over who starts and who doesn't. I'm more obsessed with who plays starters minutes and who doesn't. Um, so if the on Ward comes off the bench, but he's playing I don't know, 25 to 28 minutes by the end of the season, and Robert Jones is continuing to start, but he's only playing 12 to 15 minutes a game or whatever it may be. Um, then I think you kind of know who your leader is in the front core at the five position. So I think it's more about minutes distribution oftentimes than it is who starts and who doesn't. Fair point. Alec Bussey, CycloneAlert.com, 24-7 Sports. Alec, uh, just because football's over, uh, still a lot of news to break and to bring the uh, your audience over at Cyclone Alert. What have you got coming up this week you'd like to promote? Yeah, we'll have um, a visit primer for Alston's official visit tomorrow to Iowa State. We'll also have some basketball content go up throughout the week um, as we kind of preview the start of Big 12 play on Saturday at Oklahoma. Um, and then we'll have a bigger, deeper transfer portal update with a lot of the recent happenings with some of the recent offers. 
Um, some other targets that have kind of emerged here of late, the Osteen tomorrow, late afternoon, early af- late morning, early afternoon. Um, and then we'll have some game coverage later in the week that I hope people enjoy and want to check out. Good stuff, Alec. Thank you. We'll talk to you next Monday. Appreciate you coming on. Thanks, guys. Have a great day. Enjoy the rest of the yep. week. Yep, thank you very much. Alec Bussey, 24-7 Sports, CycloneAlert.com. Well, we'll talk to his predecessor at Cyclone Alert. Nick Oson's going to join Trent and I next, catch up with our old buddy Oson. He's covering Wisconsin, Wisconsin, and Iowa tonight's 6 o'clock tip. Oson joins us as we catch up with him on the other side. Miller and Condon on a Tuesday. You're listening to Des Moines Sports Station, 106.381. Hi, Miller and Condon. Welcome back to Moines Sports Station 106.3 KXNO. So we take you up until one. Murph and Andy, they take over at that time. The drive with Heather and Sean back together today, three until six. Well, let's get an old friend of the program in here, Nick Oson. I don't know how to uh, bring him on. I know he works for 24-7 Sports. I'm not sure of his website, but he's an old friend, covered Iowa State, doing the same on the beat at Wisconsin, and he joins us. Happy New Year, Nick Oson. Do you miss us? Happy New Year, guys. You know, I, I truly do. I, I- kind of jumped at this opportunity i miss you guys as people i miss the show man it's great to be back with you guys good to talk to you nick and we feel the same way alec bussey's doing a terrific job no doubt about it uh, you left the website uh in fine hands but uh you developed uh, quite a uh, quite a following here uh in your time in the state of iowa so i guess let's just catch up before we you know dig into delve into uh wisconsin and iowa tonight i'm sure you watched the liberty bowl it was on friday uh your wisconsin who you cover played yesterday so just your thoughts you started the season covering the football team that finished seven and six we didn't see this coming uh it's a it's a positive uh by by any metric you would think uh, just the bad taste in the in the mouth maybe as the way the season ended how did you see it nicholson absolutely ken so you know i really uh kind of on a couple shows and previews i, I pegged iowa state as a bowl team so i think that that was certainly you know a real positive i think it was obviously a great thing uh for the fans and i know many were worried with the gambling notes and things like that. And what's impressive is I, I actually felt like in the end, they maybe could have been an eight or nine win. I, I was a little bit surprised uh, that Memphis was kind of the better team in that matchup for much of it. I, I think that they had a winnable game or two throughout. I think of the Kansas game at home and just some of those moments, but overall, and you know, I've seen a lot of tweets and kind of some following here and there. What they're expected to return, I certainly think Iowa State could be one of those top three or four teams in the Big 12 Conference again. Real a lot of excitement there. And uh, the team now that you're covering, Wisconsin, a up-and-down season on the football field for the Badgers. Your number one new regime changing the offense and what they did. Mordecai looked great early in that football game against LSU, but a lot of quarterbacks look great against LSU, uh, certainly this season. Your takeaway and going into year number two of the change and obviously the changing landscape of the Big Ten. Yeah, I'll go with the landscape of the Big Ten first. I think, obviously, as we know, it doesn't get any easier in an already pretty pretty solid and tough conference. I think that they're bringing in a lot of quality teams. Obviously, you saw one on hand, certainly, in Washington last night, that team's going to look a lot different, but still, uh, DeBoer has things really impressive over there. And as for the Badgers, you know, I think that they finished the year really strong. Two massive rivalry game wins, 
I, I know that they fell in the end to LSU, but that's a very talented football team. I think you saw the ideals of that air raid offense. And I can obviously tell you now being around here and just being engaged with the fans here, while of course they wanted to win that game, I think overall these last, we'll say month, month and a half or so for the Badgers, things are really moving in the right direction. And I think this year with games like Penn State at USC, Oregon, Bama comes here too. Wow. It's going to be a real, yeah, it's going to be a real opportunity, guys, for the Badgers to kind of get back to where I think a lot of us were used to them being from 2010 to 19 or 20, kind of a top 12 to to 15 program uh, every year. And we're going to have to see how they can match up against some of those top teams this year. Well, I like the fact that Malusi's going to come back. I thought he was having a really nice season prior to him uh, breaking uh, breaking his leg, so he's coming back to uh, at least take some of the uh, some of the carries. Uh, real quick, as an aside, before we get into basketball, uh, are you hearing? I know Paul Chris is out of sight, out of mind in Wisconsin, but is there any buzz surrounding Chris and the possibility of him becoming the new OC at Iowa? What's what's Madison speculating about that? Yeah, Ken, so what I would say there is, you know, it's something that obviously was well before I, I got here, but he's a name that fans certainly uh, still kind of, we'll say maybe follow. You know, people have mentioned it on my boards and such. And from what I could tell, I, I do think there is a legitimate shot. I mean, it seems like really from the jump, he's been one of the top two or three names, but certainly not uh, confident enough in saying that, he will or won't be or, or anything like that. But I'd say if you're hearing any buzz over the last month, month and a half, I do think those connections are pretty true. Joining us right now, he is Nick Osen, now over at 24-7 Wisconsin. Tonight, it is the Hawkeyes in the Badgers. Iowa already 0-2 in Big Ten play. they got to dig themselves out of the hole. For Wisconsin, Wisconsin came in with some, what, fringe top 25 type of buzz it's been really inconsistent for them also. Up and down, the metrics really like them, but three losses, lose to Tennessee, blown out by Providence, blown out by Arizona, won everything else out there. Where are you at with this Wisconsin team? Outside of, they're pretty good. Maybe what's the upside with the Badger and the hardwood? Definitely, trying to. I think, yeah, you know, I'm loving kind of how in tune you've been with Big Ten hoops. I actually think hmm. right now they're about what I kind of, expected Mm -hmm. Uh, I have this team as a potential second weekend team and I think that while a couple of those were blowout losses like you mentioned those are three tourney teams right now two top 10 or 15 teams Mm -hmm. otherwise Badgers have picked up some really good wins the top three Marquette at home Uh, Michigan State's now looking like the Spartans they won on the road by double digits at Sparty so I think as a whole this team is just I'll go ahead and say probably the deepest Badgers team you've seen in five or six seasons. And I think that health will always be uh, very important, but they've got a legitimate star, somebody that I think, well, I'm very confident will end up in the NBA, but could potentially be a first round pick in about a year and a half. That's AJ store, a St. John's Mm -hmm. transfer, Uh, Rockford kid, really impressive. And I just think from one to eight, one to nine outside of maybe Purdue, Wisconsin's among the elites in that second level of the big 10. And, yeah, I think they're going to finish in the top three or four in the conference as well. 
Yeah, Storr's a hell of a player, and, he, and they love that size at six foot seven at the next level, do they not? So, so Nick, you brought up a really good point. Um, who else is in that second group? Trent and I have ha- asked this question, and we've had multiple answers depending on what we saw the night before <laughs> throughout the month of December. But from your perspective, Nick, who is in that second group? Thought maybe Illinois was going to be part of it. Then mm. the awful news that they got over the weekend. Um, I mean, just terrible. Um, but what? who's in that? next group yeah that was you know certainly really shocking so i would have had i I'm saddening i would have had them but obviously you know we'll, we'll put them aside for right now so i'm comfortable with the badgers there uh certainly i think a team like ohio state has a chance to be in that group with some of that elite guard play i'm still not quite ready to give up on michigan state just with Izzo and some of their top tier talent but yeah, quite honestly, Maryland's been playing some better ball, but I certainly think it's Purdue and then everybody else and then kind of that bottom group. But I'm comfortable in those top, yeah, two through four, two through five. And I was looking at the schedule, and I wouldn't be shocked at all if the Badgers squeeze into that top 15 by the time we catch up in February for when they play at Carver. Right now, Ken Pomeroy has just five teams projected to have a winning record in the Big Ten this year. A whole lot of uh, bunch in the middle, a lot of 8-12s, and 10-10 10 and 10 type of stuff uh, in the Big Ten this year. And Wisconsin certainly has a path for it. All right, I already uh, got a prediction for you here. You ready for this, Nick? I know uh, there's been yeah. some conversation. Max Klemsmith hasn't shot it real well. Uh, he'll go off tonight. He'll have six threes <laughs> against the Iowa D. <laughs> you know, I, I feel like Trent at times maybe maybe you and I could go out there and hit a couple. I mean, that team not necessarily known, uh, you know, certainly for their defense, but they can score the rock. You know, I, I think it's a team that the Badgers certainly cannot uh, overlook right now. They're a team that obviously likes to really push the pace, and I think that the Badgers and Greg Gard certainly do well at kind of being being aware and knowing what's at stake. They've been really consistent with that. And while I do think the Badgers pick up the the win tonight, I actually see a really close game early on and into the second half. So Iowa doesn't have, you know, a Garza or Keegan or Chris this year. I think that their pieces add up fairly well as long as they're shooting at least 36 to 40 percent from three. Playing the music, Nick Oson got a run. We will talk to you in the middle of February. Happy New Year, Nick. Thank you for popping on. Bama Bob kicks off hour number two, Miller and Condon, 106.3 KXNO.